This is a Soulfire production. What's up, babe? I'm fucking pissed at you. Why? I'm waiting to see what it is you posted. It was great. You'll see. It was fantastic. It was very favorable to you. Was it though? Yeah, it was. I look stupid. I didn't want you to film me. Yeah, well. My hair is sopping wet. My face is shiny. Nothing wrong with being sopping wet, babe. I love being sopping wet. <laughs> hey. Oh, man. How's it going? It's good. It's good. I, feel... I haven't seen you in a while. <laughs> I feel some relief because I was really scared to have a conversation with you and you made it very easy for me. So my family's nice. going to come up to Colorado. They're driving all the way to Colorado from Texas. Oh, is this where you shame me now? <laughs> driving all the way up here and they just, they came here only to see us oh, and it's everybody, my whole entire, it's basically a family reunion and Kelly just decided last minute that she didn't want to go. And you know, I just honored that and you know, I'm hurt. I'm deeply hurt. You know, like my, I'm hurt on a soul level, but <laughs> the, my, my, my meat body can accept it and try and move on and, and not, you know, not call you incredibly selfish. That's not at all what happened. They were coming anyways. They did not come up here just for us. No, they did not. <laughs> and we were just with them. Yeah, we were just so with I them. don't feel as bad not going, but I'm just, I don't know. I'm just having a hard time and I'm just, I'm just in the feels. And I feel, I was telling Sav during my workout this morning, I was like, I feel like last year finally caught up with me. It'll, that'll happen. Like I just kept going, 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 going. And then now I feel, I feel like I'm crashing. I feel like I need to sleep for days. I can't, I'm just exhausted on a level at which it's like, you're not tired anymore. You're so exhausted. You're not tired. I know what you're going to be doing is just swiping on Bumble while the whole time I'm gone. So I'm having lots of girls over. Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're in the Denver metro area and you're on Bumble, be on the lookout for how many we've literally matched with every single one of our friends who is somewhat bisexual. Yeah, for sure. It's so funny. And Um, then I just take screenshots and send them to them and I'm like, that's the most fun thing about Bumble is like screenshotting your friends when you see them on there. It's just like an awkward because everybody's so anonymous on there. It's like, oh, this is like, you know, 99% of people you see on there, you don't know so right. you see somebody you know and you're like oh my god how do they put themselves out here on a dating app it's yeah it's so funny. so funny no but I was really grateful because I've been really stressed about having to say to you I just don't feel like I can go that you don't love my family because and that you're you resent me for being uh born of my mother oh my god you know I love your mother um and everyone else when we had the best time with them in Texas I just I need to be alone like I need to cry I need to like lay on the couch and not get ready and not need to do anything and I love you, but you're a lot of energy and there's a lot happening for you right now with work, which is so great, but I feel like I can't breathe or process. And that's not because of you. It's just the nature of like our situation, you know? And I just know that if I don't take this time, it's going to keep building up and I'm going to explode. And something Abby, my new coach and I were talking about last night, which helped me understand a lot, was that I literally let things become or create storms in order to get attention or process or whatever it is I feel like I'm needing. And so I feel like that's coming. I feel like there have been bursts of it on New Year's Eve um, and little situations. And so I, in, in order for me to navigate this and not let it build up into a huge blow up and emotional breakdown, I know that I need this time. 
And so I'm doing my best to honor that while also being okay with, if you had not been as understanding, being okay with disappointing you and your family and knowing that I have to do what's best for me. And I told you, I'm going to be so much better off when you get back. And that feels really good for me because I do so much of this work, not only to better myself, but to also be an amazing partner and leader and dog mom and all of those things. And I know if I don't listen to my gut right now and just say no to something that I'm going to explode. And I just, that's not okay with me. Well, I know that Dutch is going to be very sad that oh, you're not my there. baby. And he's going to think that we broke up and I'm going to probably going to tell him that we broke up just to, just to fuck with him. Stop it. Him and his one eye, our one eye doodle. That's literally what was try- keeping me going. I was like, oh, I want to see Dutch on Friday, but I know I'm going to see him on Sunday. So it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and listen, Kelly, I know that um, I'm getting pretty famous right now on the internet. I know that may be a struggle for you because yes, that is of, what I'm struggling with. <laughs> I mean, things have been popping off and I'm creating a, a, a resonance field around me that is that is pulling in some of the most elite uh thinkers of our time of our generation so maybe that's just maybe there's a little bit of uh underlying resentment there at yes. my at my fame uh-huh. but we can we can work through it you know we can work through it you know what i was actually thinking it's funny <laughs> you bring that up and i i hadn't said anything to you because i don't really know that it's like worth a conversation but maybe it's interesting to everyone else i was actually thinking about that last night when we were high i was high as balls last night <laughs> Like I couldn't even like, I was asking you political questions where I was confused and I'm like, I don't think this makes any sense. Is this English? Um, but what I was thinking about, cause you've, you've gotten like, I don't know, seven or 800 new followers in the last few days. Thousand. Okay. Thousand new followers in the last few days. And we've talked about this on the last show that you're really stepping into your own and your sweet spot right now. And I didn't get to say this in the last episode. I realized this after we were done recording, but part of you trying to find yourself has also been, you are a showman, you are an entertainer and you love attention. And those are not bad things. Those are just parts of your personality. And I love you for that because you keep me fucking entertained and make me giggle all day long. And I love that. Um, but you weren't necessarily being recognized for your true self. And so I feel like now followers are followers, like who fucking cares? But what I think it's showing is that you're, you're having people respond to who you truly are, not the person you were trying to be. And I think that is beautiful because it's not that you weren't being genuine before when you were coaching and doing all that stuff, but it feels like this is so much more of you. Does that make sense? We talked about that on the show on the last episode, but I think... Yeah, that's true. But also I think there's something that needs to be really like when you're in the public eye, right? We're doing this thing. We're like out in front of people. I think one of the most impactful things you can do as someone who is whatever you are on the internet is understand narcissism at a high level and understand your own internal need for validation. Slash, like you have to reconcile all that stuff, mm-hmm. right? Because it was hard for me to admit this is because I was, I've always been in my adult life and very performative. I mean, even in college, I was very performative, right? It was like, but it was, I always felt, I was told my whole life that I was so selfish and I am pretty selfish. I'm like higher than average selfishness. Like I think about myself first in a lot of ways. Okay. I accept that about myself and I keep myself in check with it because after accepting it, you can go, okay, am I being a selfish prick right now or am I not? Or am I standing up for myself? Like those two things can disguise one another as the other one, depending on your own internal bias. So I think it was me accepting that like entertainment and having people around me like JP Sears, great example. Like for me, it was, it was, there would needed to be something, whether it was stand up comedy, 
or the podcast, like something had to work out in a way that where I was going to be able to do this because I was so fulfilled coaching CrossFit, right? Mm -hmm. In front of groups of five or 50, you know, doing my thing like that. And it was, it was not sets and reps and like uh, technique work on this. It's like entertaining people into being fitter people, human beings Mm -hmm. and like living a better life, but also making them laugh. And like calling them out on their bullshit if it was appropriate. It's just a different, just with it, what boundaries am I, are you functioning in? But accepting my own desire to be like seen and heard and know that that was something that I had. It didn't matter what I did. I had to, con- this was years ago. I had to confront this. I was like, no matter what I did, I needed to be in front of people. Mm-hmm. Like that's why, that's why I got fired from on it. It was like, you just had, you're in, like one of the conversations was like, you're incapable of being a behind the scenes person. Yeah. Like it just is not, it's never going to work for you. Which was 1000% true. Like it wasn't, my firing was not unjustified. It was inappropriate, but it wasn't unjustified. So that's kind of what I was thinking about was you, you're literally incapable of that. This is correct. You are correct. Um, I'm also, I've never been a behind the scenes person, you know, my whole life. For those of you listening who don't know this, I've been on TV since I was 17 years old and I was, I hosted the morning announcements in sixth grade on TV, we had TVs in all the classrooms. You we had, had a TVs, fucking not, TV not just studio. a PA system. You'll no, like a we had TVs. T- oh man, that's because so, cool. so James L. Day Middle School in Temecula was a brand new middle school. So I think I was the first sixth grade class to ever go. So they had state of the art everything, and so we literally had a TV studio where we were anchors. And I told everyone that we were having chicken nuggets for breakfast or lunch or whatever. I don't know my meals clearly. Um, that's how I got into that. And so I've also always been the tallest, the best volleyball player and cover of volleyball magazine and full ride scholarship to USC and captain and da, 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 da. Like I've always been front and center and you same thing. The ability to stand behind is just not normal for me. And I've been thinking about this because it definitely, and this is not where I was planning to go, but this is interesting to me. I'll segue it. I have a, I have a beautiful segue coming later. Perfect. I think that it's really interesting watching you and I's dynamic shift over the last couple of years. And we've had conversations about how hard it is for you to feel like you're like second fiddle in your own life. Like you've said, like this is the Kelly show and I don't even feel like I'm in the center of my own universe. And that feels really hard for me. And to me, I'm just like doing the thing. I don't think about it. This is just like what my life has been and I just kind of go with it. And I was thinking last night how much I am excited for you to be the center and to be the one with attention and to support you in that because that doesn't really feel aligned for me. I, I was the center of attention. I have been on TV every like, you know, People knew me all over the country and that I did that thing. And then I left that behind because that no longer felt aligned for me. And so I feel like there's a shift where you're stepping more into that and I'm releasing that all while my brand is growing and what I'm doing is growing and, and whatnot. But the way you are of service is so different than the way I'm of service. And I think it's really cool. And I, I asked myself, is there any resentment or jealousy here? And it was just like this resounding no. And I'm just like so full body excited for you and to support you because I know what it feels like to be acknowledged for doing something that you love and that matters to you. And it's, yeah, of course it comes with attention and accolades and followers and all the like human things, but on a soul level to feel like you've put your heart and soul into something and that someone responds or recognizes that. And then you have that connection with people. That is what I am so excited for you to have an experience. 
And so I don't, I don't know. I just wanted to reflect that like thought process because I just thought it's really cool that I was thinking about that and being so excited for your success. Because I think that especially with people who do similar things, it can get very muddy and very competitive. And I just don't feel that with you. And I was so happy that at my core, that was the feeling and emotion coming up. Yeah. It's really funny. Like I always, there was times because here's what the, the dirty underbelly of like personal development or whatever is that most people, there are very few people that's of names that you would recognize that didn't get there by paying their way in, right? Throwing lots of money behind ads. Um, and somebody I can think that that did it, and what I consider like with a lot of integrity is Mark Manson, mm-hmm. right? I mean, he definitely spends money on ads, but most of his money comes from paying $2 a month for his website, like that he gets paid. And of course, the subtle art of not giving a fuck, like books that he actually wrote, that you know he actually wrote because they're accumulations of his articles that he actually wrote mm-hmm. and has been grinding at this for a long time and has built a, a really, like, really intense audience around himself, right? If you contrast that with Lewis House, who bought his Instagram following and then used that to get on stages, which is still a hustle, right? It's still a grind. Like, it's not easy to do. But it's just, there's a level, like, once you get around that kind of that kind of world, you see, like, there's a seedy underbelly to it. And for me, I was like, all right, well, I'm doing good work. This is when I was in personal development. And I need, I, all I need right now, like, I've got the infrastructure built out. And that's my whole thing, right? It's like, build up the infrastructure. That way, when you do grow, you have a place for people to land. Right. Abby Gibb talks about that a lot as well. Like having buckets. I wasn't very good financially, but like as far as being able to like if you dropped a hundred thousand followers on me tomorrow and like expected me to handle that with some kind of like without losing my mind, I feel competent in being able to do that. Um and the audience that goes with that and the Patreon and providing content and consistency and all those kind of things. It's all important because that could happen, right? That's what ha- that's what's happened here is like somebody with a big following that's in the same lane as I am you know, took a liking to my work, which is also great because it's a gay black man, which like, I love having conversations with people that, that can challenge me and challenge my life experience. But until that, until this has kind of happened and this has changed, I was like, I'm doing good work. I need to get eyes on myself. And how can I do that? And my method was like, well, people reaching out to me to be on reality TV shows. So there was a couple of opportunities for um, uh, Big Brother, which was interesting. None of those panned out. Um, it was like two seasons and neither one of those worked out. But then right when we started dating, I had applied for to be on The Bachelorette, which I was like, this would be hilarious. And I was friends with people who do Bachelorette podcasts. So I was like, this would be so fun because I have these friends that are in Austin that do these Bachelorette podcasts and do the commentary. And like a lot of the viral Bachelor tweets you have, like I know those are some of my friends for whatever reason are in that world. So I had gotten right after we, we've been dating for maybe two weeks. Like we had met two weeks pre- prior to this and I, but before we even started really talking is when I had applied and I was in San Diego and all the stuff happens for the bachelor in LA. So I get my letter to come do my in-person interview for the bachelorette right after we had met. And I was like, Hey, I'm in a relationship now. Like I can't, or after we started dating officially, um, I can't, I can't do this anymore. And I was, I was bummed. I, I really was because it was like, fuck, that was my shot to like do the thing and like go get eyes on my content and like really build my business. And that's, of course, that's not the reason you're supposed to be on the bachelorette, but let's be but fucking let's realized be yeah, as to how that happens. And then we find out and, and everything's we do. We crush it. I love it. I love what we do. I would, I would take soul fire over bachelorette fame 100% of the time, right? It's just more sustainable. It's in more integrity, all of that stuff. But that would have been fun. And it would have been really good for me because I do like to like put a camera in my face and I've my entire career, whether I was in CrossFit or working it on it or doing whatever I was doing or podcasting, like I've had a camera or a microphone in my face. It's just what happens or it's like what I've been drawn to. And that's been the consistency. So for me, it wasn't outside of my norm to be, have to perform with cameras around. Right. Um, so it was fun. And then, and then all of a sudden this last season of the bachelorette, our good friend, Ben Smith 
was on the show and it was like, cause he and I are so similar. I was like, this is what it would have been like if I was on the show. So I get to watch. You think you two are similar? Yeah, we, we very much, as far as like. I would never say that. Well, you've never sat down with me and been in a private conversation and I can't share any of the things that we've spoken about, but. Cause now he's fucking famous as we fuck. Have, <laughs> we, have very, we have very uh, similar personalities in a lot of ways with different issues, but like definitely, okay. you know, we can have, we come from a very similar like mindset with like, body shame and different things like that. So we had, we resonate on a lot of these different issues and I love the dude to death. He's just like, he's been on my podcast before and had him and a couple of other friends on there just talking about like life and whatever. And seeing this dude like completely explode and everybody like America just fall in love with somebody who is when just fucking deserves it. Like yeah. just a sweet man who like has had, who's been through some shit and like willing to share it and has like worked on his vulnerability and like, and, and has good like mental health practices and has really put a lot of effort, like puts a lot of effort into himself. But you want to see that was so fun on the bachelorette. I was like, and the, the season was also so good because you had this it's complete crazy. train wreck at the beginning. And then you bring in like a better bachelorette and then Ben gets taken off and then he comes back and we're like, it's just like this whole thing. And I don't really watch the show. So I was like, it was that just was my so first fun. time watching since season one. I was like, what in the actual fuck are we watching? It was so, so fucking fun to we watch it. it. And the fact that he was on for so long. <sighs> but then we got to asking this question and I've actually talked about this before, but you never put this together was like, people are so abrasive around non-traditional relationship structures. But one of the highest, highest watched TV shows in the country is The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, which is essentially a polyamorous competition to win someone's, to get, to get engaged. To be, to the, what's it called when you're the main partner? Um, I don't. In poly? There's a name oh, for it. Oh, uh, you're just a primary partner. Primary. That's literally what this shit is. It is fucking poly all day long. It is. And they call each other their boyfriend, like boyfriend and girlfriend. Yeah, which Especially I didn't once. know. That didn't happen in the first season. I don't remember that. I mean, maybe it did, but that was like 20 years ago. It was probably a shift to somebody who knows the show would be able to tell you. But but when yeah. you said that, I was like, what? Like my whole world stopped. And I was like, this is so true. All these fucking Karens out here watching these shows don't even realize that all they want is a poly, somewhat poly relationship. They want men falling all over themselves. And what man doesn't want a bunch of women falling all over themselves fighting to be the one, to be the chosen one. And... Within that, we watched all these guys bond over all these like crazy things and become friends, which is, I don't know that it happens in every poly relationship, but like when you're in a polypod or you're in this like fucking community of everyone just dating each other, or, like sleeping with one another or whatever, that's what happens. You yeah. bond on like another level. What? How is this not talked about more? I know. And like the same people who rip on you for like having a, you whatever, whatever kind of hate you get on online for whatever it is that we do, which is pretty benign. I don't really think I get much hate. I've just had some people be like, brainwashing you don't do it yeah, and I'm, I'm like, like well, do you watch I'm the, like I'm the one hooking up with girls by myself honey <laughs> so should we tell everyone about that uh we can later but um <laughs> uh, I don't know if that's a good idea but um <laughs> no but it's it's like does that person watch the bachelor or bachelorette right it's like it's but it's and it's interesting to see it all shake out and these guys be like friends afterwards these girls be friends afterwards and like the process it's just a really interesting situation but it's like you're getting sold something that's so much different than what you think it is but also normal in some communities that this isn't even like that outlandish at all. It's just really, it's a cool show. I mean, it's a great concept for a show. I mean, it's, it's super, the worst thing I've ever it's seen. It's super cheesy. And, and it's yeah. also amazing and a train wreck. I could not stop watching. Yeah. 
Well, and they were also at La Quinta because all the COVID La Quinta, <laughs> which like La Quinta is like two hours from where I grew up. And I was, and everyone was always so sweaty. Yeah. And I'm just like, put these people in an air conditioned room. What the fuck are you doing? Like, why does everyone have beads of sweat and like, like fucking booby titty sweat and like armpit just like dripping? I'm like, this is not enjoyable. Yeah. No one looks cute. And then the Bachelor came out and they're in this like beautiful mansion. And yeah. I was like, well, this is not fair. They were in the fucking La Quinta in, in Palm Springs. Yeah, it's 117 <laughs> degrees outside <laughs> in the middle of the summer they're like they're like uh our place backed out because of covid so we got to find the next viable spot and it's like well no one's here because it's a million degrees outside yeah, so you can just have it for four hundred dollars yeah the heat kills covid anyway right so yeah, guess, we're all yeah. safe oh my uh, god can we trip. talk about claire and dale for a second can we just talk about claire i don't like to rip on women but that woman is portrayed as batshit crazy and i she makes me cringe well there was there was so many things that claire did that were like that were really un- indefensible right it's like having one-on-ones with guys like multiple like what five or six in a row and just talking about dale the whole time it's like listen lady like that's not listen linda listen <laughs> listen um that's not okay like that's these guys are really trying to like get to know you and you're talking about this other dude all the time and then the other guy who like yeah like told her he was ashamed it was just a complete oh my train God. Wreck. like how i like you're the oldest bachelor i, I ever expected more from the oldest and he was yeah. like it went from like zero to a hundred real quick it was like a, it was like a heated conversation then he was like it was like the producers were like be mean to her now and then yeah. he freaked out and he started screaming age shame her yeah and it was like she's not even she's like 40 or 39 she's 39 yeah she, she looks amazing like there's nothing wrong with that I yeah just, and there's that nothing wrong with so being stupid. 39 and single either yeah fucking shut up but the whole okay here's what made me laugh so hard about this whole season and it started with claire but the like the amount of personal development and spirituality <laughs> that they put in that was so so lame it was hacky the as fuck. journaling the like meditations the what was it like a chris or sound healing or crystal they did a little thing. it was like a little reiki yeah reiki. crystal thing and like just the um the amount of times they said words like alignment abundance uh showing up for me yeah. yeah how much did she say she loved the way dale shows up for her oh that's like a, that's a bit in our in our relationship now it's like yeah i love how you show up for me like dale shows up for claire it's like <laughs> They gave, what did you say? They gave everyone like a bubble of words and we're like, just use a lot of these and just yeah. insert them wherever it feels aligned for you. It's, and even the, even the parents, it was like, they gave yeah. them a, what is it called? These a, poor uh, old 60 year old people who have never heard of this shit. Like a word, what is it? Oh, I'll figure out the word I, cloud. A word cloud. And it's like here, and it's like vulnerability, authenticity, <laughs> transparent, you know, trust. And it was just like all these words, like just whatever you're talking about, just try and sprinkle a few of these words. You don't need to know what they mean. Just like throw them in there. That's what it felt like. And then every day coming out, they'd sit on the couch in their little La Quinta spot and just start journaling. And I'm like, what? Like what? Yeah, it was. When really, did this become like an, the overarching theme? Well, the thing is, they're just hacking trends that are popular with like mid twenties women. Yeah, as I mean, which is obviously mid twenty to mid thirties or mid probably probably twenty five to forty year old women, maybe even younger than that. But like, that's what they're into, right? That's like that's the thing. That's where that's where most attraction comes from. But what I loved about the show, I will say this. Because it was so, I was listening to listening to Tim Dillon's podcast. Okay, this is going to be a little bit of a threat here. So Tim Dillon did an ad. He does ads for other podcasts sometimes. And the producer of Theo Vaughn's show hosts a show called Not Another Bachelorette Podcast or Bachelor Podcast. Not Another Bachelor Podcast. He was reading an ad for that show on his show, and he was like, he explained. He explained like the the final three guys, or whatever. He was like, "This season has an um an, a former army ranger who was bulimic and, and attempted suicide. Oh, yeah. Um, 
one guy whose brother just got out of prison and had teardrop tattoos on his face and the um zach something about like an oh, was it was an addict or, that stole yeah. checks from his dad and i yeah. was like oh wow like they, the last three guys really had like pretty compelling stories and like challenging they were like normal situations. people yeah but like the guy's brother that guy was like he was a legit criminal from yeah. that just got out of federal prison like mm -hmm. that's no joke and, and he was super fucking woke too which was awesome it was super intense i mean maybe they gave him a word cloud too <laughs> maybe um but then yeah the other guy who had struggled with addiction and like that whole thing and then ben and his you know the, his his struggle with like body shame and and, and attempted suicide a lot of stuff which which is resonates with a lot of former military guys like they broke yeah. it down in a very insensitive way but i was like oh it's really cool that these aren't just your normal run-of-the-mill like white picket fence people and not that anybody's that simple but the way that it was the last three guys like i mean those are all considered i would consider those like red flags in a relationship you know like totally. stuff that you got to think about and it was really interesting to see how Tasha handled that and i'm also very glad that zach won i liked him he they're yeah they're very sweet together he seems so genuine and kind and i mean who knows he could be a serial killer for all i know but like came across well i liked them together although what i will say is my energetic takeaway from the finale in the proposal is that neither of them were into it well it's probably because <laughs> it, it was felt 175 so degrees. awkward it's like proposing in a sauna i was like i don't think either of them want to do this i mean i think they'd both been married before right yeah yeah how i wish i knew and i'm not gonna google it because i don't care that much but i wonder what the average length of relationship is for all these people who go on these shows i know they're i remember like krista stutter or whatever and her husband they have like three kids they've been together for like 15 years that's awesome i love that but i feel like most people don't go on the show for actual love they're going on to be seen because if you look at all the profiles of everyone they're like models and hosts and blah 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 um so i'm just wondering what the average is what do you think it is? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I think like they make it, it's like they make it through their media obligations. Exactly. Through the contract. But it's not, it's not outside the realm of possibility that through that method of dating, you would find somebody that you're compatible with. Totally. I mean, people don't are on, aren't necessarily on dating apps to find love, but then all of a sudden, boom. Yeah. You know? I didn't start a podcast to get married, but yeah, here I am. Um, yeah. I think it's like a year or less. That's my guess. Yeah. Can I also, can we address the other elephant in the room, which I thought was really interesting. So when Claire was on, she clearly was interested in black men. And then when Taisha was on, she clearly was interested in white men. Like when it came down to it, it was very clear the divide. And I thought that was so interesting because I've, I don't watch the show. I don't know how they cast. I don't like, I don't get it, but you're, you have a very obvious pick here that she likes black guys and she likes white guys and not that they don't dislike that they dislike the other, but yeah. you didn't see any other races really. It was very black or white. And this is the mixture. Well, no, hang on. The one guy was, um, was mixed race. Um, that was, another Oh, the Filipino three. and black, yes. right? Yeah. Well, yeah. and Tasha's mixed, but I mean, I'm saying like the overarching races were black and white and you saw this person go towards that and this person go towards that. And the fact that you had two bachelorettes, and you basically watched how that played out. It was just you, so you, interesting. You were pretty much guaranteed with both of those bachelorettes to end up with a uh, 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 interracial relationship, which I thought was yes. fucking cool. Yes. And I was like, totally. That, I mean, that and that may seem like kind of abrasive, but it's just like if you watch the show, it wasn't subtle. No, it was not like, at it all. Was, and it's like if it was there was any nuance to it at all, it was like very clear in their interactions that and who she was talking about was hot. And maybe they maybe they just edited it that way. Maybe that's yeah, what it was. Totally. They leaned I don't into know. that. But it was it wasn't. I thought it was cool. I was like, this is interesting. 
thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I thought it was, and then bringing up like the mixed race issue. And I, some friends of mine that were mixed race were like, it, it can be really hard because especially with things as divided as they are now, it's hard. Cause like that, both sides of the, of what people are projecting all this stuff onto are also your family. Right. You know what I mean? And right. it's like, well, in having to, having where do to you pick belong? Aside, yeah. It's like, that's a hard thing. I can only imagine how hard that is. Yeah. They did a really good job of covering some difficult topics in like BLM and mixed race and just racial issues overall. And, you know, but they weren't, they weren't heavy handed. With no, it. but it wasn't annoying. That's what I'm saying. They did a good job of like kind of just dropping it in because these are obvious issues. We're in the middle of cocoa. We're in the middle of BLM, like all these things happening rather than, hitting it so hard that it's like, oh my God, can we not? It's like, let's have a legit conversation about this. People got emotional. People cried about it, talking about their experiences. And I really respected that. I, I thought it was really cool. Um, but yeah, it was just interesting. It was kind of something I didn't really expect. Um, but I thought it was, it was yeah, it's really like, neat. You, you don't expect like the cheesiest reality show that's never, that's on the nose about like everything to be subtle about and appropriate with the way that they share their kind of stance on social justice issues. Yeah. I thought it was, but I, I really, I, yeah, I thought it was great. Can I also say, I thought it was so funny. ABC is like, they push the boundaries, but I feel like they're pretty conservative in their shows and not conservative politically, but just conservative in how they portray things and whatever. It's like, it's like modern family and stuff are on that channel. Yeah. Like, and uh, Grey's was and all, all that stuff. I, I only watch shows on Hulu and Netflix now, so I don't know where anything is, but, um, I thought it was so funny, just like Tasha coming out of the water with her giant tits and Claire doing this thing. And then now you got this like new bachelor, the the guy who's the bachelor now, and just like he never has a shirt on and, you know, they're rolling around in paint and they're, I just, I think it's so funny that when it comes to the bachelor or bachelorette, like everything is fair game. But other shows, you can tell they kind of walk on eggshells and they're super careful. But when it comes to that, like what they would like to think is probably late night TV, it's let's be poly, let's be naked, boobies everywhere, shortest dresses possible, put on seven inch high heels to walk around La Quinta. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just think it's so funny. I'm it like, what so, is this? It was so funny. Can we just address to while we're talking about Bachelorette, what was the guy from Harvard's name? Oh my God, Bennett. Oh, that guy was the worst. And then when they did the one, he talked about like he was he was like I'm being portrayed as this like Harvard douchebag, and I'm like, bro, you're lacking some serious self awareness yeah. because you are you are the Harvard douchebag. And when bag. he called out that kid who I did not like at all and was totally deserved, but when he called him out, I'm just thinking, bro, before you're gonna call other people out, have some self awareness. Yeah, you don't. Well, and, and the way he did was so condescending. It's like if you're gonna talk, here's one. Here's a, I'm uh, I am I would say I'm in the nine. 99th percentile for talking shit. Yes. Okay. I, there's very few things I'm really good at, but like I can talk shit and I can like hurt people's feelings. That's what I do on Connor Wanders. <laughs> so if, if, if Nancy Pelosi ever listened to my podcast, she would be very upset, but um, you've got to do it. You can't, if you come at it, like say there's a group of people watching you have a, have an argument with a person. If you come at it self-righteous and on your, on your pedestal, you end up looking like the biggest dick, right? Versus you got to, if you're going to, if you're going to go at somebody, you got to go at them in their own language. If you're the aggressor, which he very much was, he was, he was the aggressor in the situation. You got to go at them with language that they can understand. Otherwise you're just confusing them. He's like, so instead of actually like trying to get into it with this guy and like, and call him out on his bullshit, which there was a fair amount of bullshit coming from that dude uh, in both sides, obviously, but he did it with such a, such a self-righteous 
indignation that it was like it was so hard to even watch like dude i don't this guy is they are both assholes obviously but like you're doing you're just you're, this is performative and you're trying to show how smart you are and then they had a test of like intellect essentially and he failed <laughs> everybody else beat him. It was Shocker. so funny. Well, I think it's interesting coming from you because you do, when you get on your high horse, have a tendency to be very condescending and speak above people. And I know that you make a conscious effort to not do that. And I think Sav and I were talking about this this morning um, because she watched your whole video with that chick and the whole thing. Um, and I was telling her and she said that she was telling Julie that I have told her before that I am so glad you argue with other people now because I don't like to be on the receiving end of being in a conversation with you like that. And she even was like, Connor uses such big words and he's really well read and he knows all these things and then other people don't and he uses it to his advantage. And I'm like, yeah, that's literally accurate. You are very smart, very intelligent. You study a lot. You do so much research all day long. You know about a lot of things that I, one, don't even care about and two, just don't know a lot about. And you're so good with words and talking that you can talk in circles around people all day long about a lot of things. I don't have that ability, nor do I want to try to do that. That's not important to me. It's not necessarily like a strength most of the time. Right. But that's what I'm saying is <laughs> because you have all these things and abilities and whatever, you have to be very conscious to not come across as condescending. And I know you put in a conscious effort to meet people where they are. And I think that's actually because you do that. That's what makes you more successful and is making your content more relatable now. And the way you coach is the same thing. You know, I'm not reading Alan Watts or listening to Jordan Peterson or whatever. And when I do, it makes no sense to me. But when you convey it to me in a way that's digestible and you meet me where I am, I'm like, oh, yeah, I totally agree with that. Yeah. So I, I just I don't know. That's what came to mind when you're it's talking a con about it. But it's a conscious, conscious effort because at the same time, like I can I can parrot like neurobiology literature and stuff like that, like that I've like read, not that I fully understand. And that's the thing is like when you're to me, when you end up using big words and trying to make people feel stupid, you're just parroting something you've ever seen. Goodwill hunting. You yes. know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. Goodwill hunting. When that, that, That's a great, if you have not, first off, you've never seen that movie. Get your shit oh. together. Cause even I've seen it. <laughs> yeah. Like also a tearjerker for me. Mm -hmm. Oh, that when, he, when Robin Williams tells him it's not his fault. Oh, oh dude. I'm like, I'm even getting, I'm getting for Clint. We're going to cry on every podcast now. But no, when he's talking, <laughs> when he's talking to the guy from Harvard, and he's just like, he, he basically roasts him for just quoting what he heard in literature. And he's like, and next year you're going to read this other book and this is what you're going to think. Mm -hmm. And he like went and he just went in on this guy. And I was like, that is the way to handle yourself. It's like, you are, you're not intelligent if you can't translate what you think into words and, and phrases and sentences and paragraphs that can resonate with a large audience. There's some people like, like Jordan Peterson is somebody that you would expect to do that, right? That he's, he's a clinical psychologist. He tries. And when he tries to dumb things down, they end up falling apart, mm -hmm. right? You've got to kind of dissect. It takes, it takes time, right? It would be more on his level. Alan Watts is uh, he's somebody that inspires me to do that, right? He can say something very complicated and then funnel it down into something that's, so if you, if you want to get into the nuance and the, and the complexities of, you know, spirituality, you can do that with him, but he also then breaks it into an analogy that's really, really funny, right? Like he can talk about how uh, his, his ideas of what, what consciousness is, but then he finishes it up with the universe or the uh, trees, leaf, the ocean waves, and the universe peoples. And you're like, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? It's like you're a nerve ending on the universe. Got it. Mm -hmm. But he, before he says that, it'll go into this whole, whole thing about how, and it, which is kind of hard to follow sometimes. Yeah. I just think, I know that 
I remember you telling me that you used to consciously use your abilities to speak to make people feel stupid um, because you it was almost like you carried resentment for certain people. And so that was your way yeah. of feeling bigger and important and all of that. It was a that. projection of insecurity right. most of the time. And so I love that you have that awareness now so that you don't feel the need to do that. And I'm sure you do it with certain people in certain circumstances when you're like being a dick. But for the most part... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's be I serious. Do have an, I do have like a, a, like a dick quota that I have to meet. Sometimes. You do. And I know that it's, that's why it's important for me to, for you to be around other people so that you're not utilizing the entire dick quota with me, because that's when I just am full of tears. That's why, that's why the Rona was so hard for us at the beginning. Exactly. Um, no, but I don't know. I just, I thought about that with Bennett. I'm like, this guy, if he's this smart, he could really reach and connect with people and meet them, but he doesn't have the emotional capacity to do that. Well, then he criticized the other kid for being, for lacking uh, components yeah. of emotional intelligence. And I'm like, he, exactly. He read the book a couple times. Right. And he was, I'm sure. And he's pretty read it. Right. Seemed like a pretty simple book to read. Uh, but he was just parroting what it said versus taking that, running it through his own life experience, his own filter, calling out his own internal biases, and then projecting his understanding of it. He was just saying what it said, mm -hmm. which was that, that, that that's not a sign of intelligence. That's a sign of insecurity. Yeah. Can I just say one way that I do love that you can talk out of your ass in any circumstance is like yesterday when you're on a call with a potential client. It was kind of a big deal, by the way. Who's a huge fucking deal. And I literally prepared our COO before the call because I had to be on it with another client. And I usually am the one that leads these calls. I kind of like head this crazy ship that we have going. And this is what I do. But I had to have you and Sam handle this. And I was on curating another client relationship. So I leave the two of you to this and I say to her, I know this could be a little stressful. If you panic, all you have to do is message Connor and be like, Hey, I'm kind of freaking out. I'm a little stressed or whatever it is. And just tell him to like, take it. I said, he can talk out of his ass about anything. I didn't know you were actually going to have to do that and do it in a really powerful, strong way to talk yourself out of the political hole that our client thought you had dug yourself into. So thank God you could do that. Yeah. What, ha what happened was we had, a, we have a client who has very, has very strong political beliefs. And he, as he, when he found out that I was a creative director for the company, um, did you ever tell him like, hi, I co-founded this. This was yeah. my idea. Oh, yeah. Okay. But, um, that was kind of the introduction <laughs> and that's when he Googled me and then he pulled up my Instagram and started scrolling through my Instagram. Oh, as on I was the talking. actual call. Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. And oh. then, and then he was like, hey, Connor, what's your role in this? And then I was like, well, I'm the creative director. I usually look at content and talk about, you know, how to frame the show and how, you know, cause there's a, one thing you use a podcast, like this is a pretty, uh, unedited uh, medium, right? So we just hit the music and we go. Uh, that's not how all podcasts are structured, as everybody knows, and different structure suits different types of content mm -hmm. better than others. So talk about that and the artwork and different things. And he was concerned about me constructing the direction of his show because of the way that I conduct myself online. And so I had to explain basically, anyway, he, it was very articulate and very straightforward, which made me really, I was, when he was talking, I was excited, but I knew everybody else in that call was having a fucking panic attack. Yeah. I'm like, oh, this is were. fine. And it was actually, I really appreciated him bringing that up early in the call because if it's not a good fit, it's not a good fit. You know, I'm like, if, you, if, if after what I tell you, you're still not into it, then we're just not aligned. And yeah. That's fine because I can, you know, go into this. And he was like, how do you keep your beliefs out of your business dealings? Like I said, my political beliefs don't really influence our business dealings. And I gave an example of another host I had been talking to about how you can, because I have a pretty strong view that you don't have a responsibility to pick a side right now mm -hmm. with everything that's going on. And it doesn't matter which one, right? Whether it's, there's so many things that are, that there's so many things that can divide us right now. 
I feel that if you are like you, for example, right, you're working with people on mental health, uh, embodiment, like living a better life. You can acknowledge, and I was telling him this, I talk about how you can acknowledge the stressful, heavy time that we're going through without picking a side. And that may be the best way for you to serve the audience that has come to you for a purpose. That's different than me, right? Like what I'm doing is creating loud content that calls out and I'm waging a war on divisiveness and hypocrisy. To do that, I have to be loud and I have to be aggressive. And that's also what resonates with the people that enjoy my content the most. And it's also very genuine to me. You should, you. I don't know that line you just said, I, I want you to listen back to it later, <laughs> side note, because that should be in your fucking profile or something right below creating a home for the politically homeless. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot, there's a That's lot going good. on, but it was one of those things where that then we started talking and then he was talking about something else. And I started, he's, he works in, he's very influential in finance and different things. So I started talking about how he could articulate himself on his podcast because he was, you know, conscious of the PR behind uh, being overtly political on his show. And I was like, well, just stick to economics because then you can have a debate that is apolitical. And you're talking about, if you're talking about increasing wealth and in communities that have experienced injustice, then that is a way for you to be nonpartisan in your approach and more talking about solutions to agreed upon problems. So when I said that, he was like, well, I really misjudged you. <laughs> Cause he had also seen like Candace Owens on my video. He didn't watch anything. He just right. looked at it. Well, yeah, he was on a call. That's why he, I was confused. He was, he was, was like, 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 what about this woman that's that, that you're, that you're showing that has was, was mad at the guy in the dress. And I was like, I was vehemently disagreeing with her. <laughs> And then we got on the same page and I, I also knew where he was landing based on his questions. And I was like, okay, we're, mm -hmm. everything's going to be fine. But I could tell that like Sam was tripping. The other people on the call were like freaking out. It was so funny. I had a great time with it. It was the, it was literally, it was the highlight of my day. Yesterday. I know he was so excited and I'm having to like CEO my way out of this. Like, Oh God. Okay. Who do I need to call? What fire do I need to put out? You had it handled. So I'm proud of you, babe. Yeah, Thanks well. for being able to just bullshit your way out of anything. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think as we kind of come to a close here, if you like The Bachelor, then you should probably uh, be in a polyamorous relationship. Yeah. Maybe create a commune and start a polypod and just get to fucking, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, can we talk about our new purchases? I don't think that needs to be talked about. Okay. No. I think okay. We're, I think we're good. We bought some toys. We bought toys and they're not sex toys. Well, I, was, I mean, that was a <laughs> <laughs> Depends on your kink. Oh, I don't want to kink shame, don't you, kink shame anybody. Well, this has been fun, Kelly. This has been so fun. I'm so glad we have this show back. I hope y'all are enjoying this. We have some really great content prepared for you. Uh, just FYI, if there's anything you want us to cover or questions you want us to answer, please DM us. We would love to hear from you. Yeah, let us know what's up. It's so fun when crowdsourcing topics. Yeah. Good Thanks, stuff. babe. Good job. Thanks, babe. Love you. I'll see you later. Love you too. Bye. Bye.